Sicha that the Rebbe gives in volume 7 for the portion of Kedoshim. And um, in this parsha we have the number 3, 4, and 5. You know, always like to uh, find, you know, correspondence to 3, 4, and 5. Uh, so we know, uh, for example, that in the uh, negative side, uh, which is known as clippos. Clippos are, clippos means the shell, because the fruit is the good part, then you have the peel. The peel is sort of a cover, covers around, it hides, it blocks it. So uh, when we talk about negativity, we call them clippos. In the Kabbalah, we call them clippos. We call them the peels, the shells, you know. They're there to cover, they hide, they don't allow for the fruit to be visible, they provide a cover for them in, in various different levels, but the bottom line they're called clippers. When we read in the uh, prophecy of Yechezkel, in Ezekiel, we read over there, and that's before Pesach, you know, when you burn the chametz, there's like a passage over there that you read when you're burning the chametz, and we, we pray for Hashem burning away all the clippers, all the uh, negativities uh, that disturb and block and don't allow for the revelation of Hashem, whether it's in the world, it's in ourselves, everything that disturbs us, we're praying to Hashem to get rid of them. So, in that verse, uh, it talks about three levels of clippers of negativity, which are considered to be very serious negative uh, clippers. Uh, and those are enumerated over there in the various description of the Pasuk, three of them. That is known in the Kabbalah as Gimel, Klippus, Hatmeis, Legamri, which means the three negative, which are totally impure. And then there is a fourth one. The fourth one is called Klippas Noiga. Klippas Noiga means that's a peel, that's a negativity that has some lightness, in other words, it has some redeeming qualities. And then, of course, on the other hand, you have Kedusha, you have holiness, you have things that are uh, holy. So, you have the number three, and you have the number four, and then you have everything else which is beyond this, this three and four. What do we read about a mitzvah in this week's parsha? We read, Hashem says, when you come to the land of Israel, which, by the way, that's a halachic, in the Gemara, and the, the, the Medrashim, and the Mechilta, there is, uh, there is various opinions about whether this law applies outside of Eretz Yisrael, or only in Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> What's the different one is a question. But it talks about when you plant a tree. And this specifically applies to a tree that a bear that bears fruit, a fruit-bearing tree. When you plant a tree, the Torah says that the first three years you may not use the fruit from the day you plant it. It doesn't go by growing. It goes from the planting, the day you plant. When you plant the tree, matter of fact, it goes, if you plant a tree, uh, like 45 days before Rosh Hashanah, that's considered to be like a year. Uh, a year. The 45, that's the planting. Because a year goes by the calendar year. The year begins with Rosh Hashanah. 
So if you, it takes, it takes like two weeks for a seed or a, a grafting or a, to sort of go into the ground, that's two weeks. Then it takes another 30 days to be in the ground of that year's. Oh. That's considered like that year already. So oh. it would be that year, and it would be the next year, and then the third year. And also till Tu Bishvat, because everything of Tu Bishvat is considered in the previous year. So that would be the, the smallest the amount, the birth of the tree. So 45 so, days before Tu Bishvat. No, 45 days before Rosh Tishrei. And then you have to wait till Tu Bishvat before you can eat the fruit. Because oh, every, I see. Whatever comes out of Tu Bishvat is considered still from the previous year. Oh, okay. So it's three so years. You, if you consider those 45 days, that's one year. One year, then a second then year, year, and then a third year. But, do you but you can't eat yet until until two bishvat in the fourth year. Okay, so it's like the fourth year. Yes, it's like you can't consider the two bishvat of the third. No, no, no. It has to be three, three years. It has to be three full years. Because the two bish, up to two bishvat is still considered the fruits of the last year because mm. it's ready now, but it's still grown in that. Well, you think but, you sort of cheated a year by yeah by doing exactly exactly by six months any time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that would be true even if you had a full year the first year, you still, oh. anything up to oh, two Mishvat is considered after it's considered in the previous oh, okay. year. Oh, I never knew that. But in any event, so the, the, um, so the Torah says that for the first three years, you cannot use the fruit. But there's something hmm. unique about this, uh, about this uh, prohibition. A lot of times, most of the time, when the Torah prohibits you to eat something, with exceptions, the Torah allows you, however, to a benefit. So, like, if it's something is not kosher, so you can't eat it. But let's say you want to feed your uh, your dogs, you want to feed the meat that's not kosher. You want to feed it. Go ahead. You're benefiting from the non-kosher. You're not eating it, but you're better. That's okay. But over here, the Torah says for three years, arelim. Arelim means you should be totally, you're not allowed to be, you're not allowed to benefit from it. It's like chametz and Pesach, for example. You can't, not only aren't you allowed to eat chametz, but you can't benefit from the chametz. You're not allowed to make money on the chametz. You can't sell it. You can't do anything with it. You have to totally destroy it. So the, 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 the three years the Torah told you is um, totally prohibited to benefit. The Alter Rebbe explains that why, but like everything else that is prohibited, because it comes from the three negative, that's why it's three years to corresponding to the three klipos hatmeyas lagamri, to the three totally impure, which means Hashem's energy, Hashem energizes everything in this world, but some of the energy that Hashem energizes this world goes through uh, channels which are negative. In this case, there would be the three Gimel Klippas Atmeis, the three impure Klippas. So the energy of Hashem goes through there, and that is becomes the energy of the first three years of that tree that grows that first three years. That's why you can't eat it. The Rebbe explains in the Tanya that um, things that come 
from that fourth level of klipa, the fourth that has light in it, are things that are almost like you would say parif. They're almost they're like in the middle. So that if you utilize them, and basically those are things that are kosher, those are things that are permissible. If you utilize them for the right way, so you're gonna use you're gonna use it to uh, be healthy, you're gonna use it to study, you're gonna use it to pray, you're gonna use it to live a healthy life, to do good things, then what you're doing is you're taking it from the energy that it gets from that fourth level, that it went through that fourth level of Klippa, and you're elevating it, you're making it holy because you're using it for the right things. Everything in the world that we use as long as we use it for a good purpose, for a positive purpose, for something useful, we are actually taking the energy that we receive because when we eat something, we get energy from it. And since we use that energy to do something good, to connect to God, say, so we're actually taking it out from the domain of this fourth level of Klippa, and we're actually elevating it to Hashem because we are connecting to Hashem through our energy, and we get our energy from that uh, uh, item, which is permissible, which is okay, so you can elevate it. But what happens, let's say I get energy from something which is not kosher. So I got something, I got a lot of energy. And then I go on Daven and I learn. So I'm using that energy. Can't elevate that. That Altaremi explains, this is the meaning of the word Isur is means really tied down. It's they don't allow the clippus, the, the <coughs> energy that it got, doesn't allow for it to be elevated. It's something which is tied and connected and bound. And it's not that's the difference between the word isur. Isur in Hebrew means prohibition. Heter means permissible. But really it means tied down or untied. So clippus noiga is untied. You can elevate. When the Torah says three years, you can't even benefit from this. That means that the energy of the first three years comes from this three clippers at maize. Whether, I, it doesn't say this, but whether each year is one level of clipper or all three years the same, I mean, that's another discussion. But that's the three levels. Then you have the fourth level. That is the level of Klippas Noga. What happens with the fruit, with the tree? Let me just tell you what the verse says. What happens with the tree? After three years that you're not allowed to use it at all, what happens in the fourth year? The fourth year, the Torah tells you that the fruit is now holy, becomes holy, and you praise Hashem with the fruit. What does that mean? You take the fourth year's fruit, and you either take them and bring them to Yerushalayim, and you can only eat them in the city of Yerushalayim, over there, you eat them over there, the fourth year. Or, if you have a lot of fruit on the fourth year, you can't bring up all the fruit to Yerushalayim. So you take that fruit and you sell them, and you take the money that you got in exchange for the fruit, mm-hmm. and you take that money to Yerushalayim. And in Yerushalayim, you buy fruit for that money, fruit or food, any, uh, so you have to buy food, and you eat it in Yerushalayim. Basically, 
you are bringing this to uh, Yerushalayim for the fourth for the fourth year. So now, which means what you're doing is you're elevating and you're taking that uh, fruit and you're bringing it, making it holy. That's like we're doing with the saying from the fourth level the, the, that you can already elevate. You're elevating it to Yerushalayim. <laughs> what happens in the fifth year? So the Torah says. The Torah says, Hashem promises you. Hashem gives you a promise. And as Rashi explains, uh, that on the fourth year, on the fifth year, Hashem will give you an abundance and will give you fruit on the tree in an abundance a lot more than it would have grown without the observation, without the observing of the mitzvahs. Hashem says, because you listen to my mitzvahs and you refrain three years from eating the fruit or benefiting the fruit, and you refrained, and the fourth year you went and you took the fruit, you brought it to your shalim. You had a loss. Mm-hmm. No, Hashem promises you and says that you are in the merit of doing my mitzvahs and following the laws that I am going to give you a lot more in the fifth year. That's what the Torah says. Now, it almost seems like what the Torah is basically saying to you, the reason I am prohibiting to you those four years is not... Rabbi Lezer, one of the rabbis says, and the Rashi brings down, he says, person is going to say, I worked hard the first year, I worked yeah. hard the second year, I worked hard the third year, I worked hard the fourth year. So a person's Yetzirah is going to say to him, why are you doing all this work? You're doing all this work and you got nothing in return. I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm working hard. Shem says, you worked hard for you. In the end, you know, you're going to see the benefit. So, basically, you can also apply this to a person's life. A person sometimes works very hard, whether it's to achieve. And he says, you know, you can't, you can't make it right away. You can't right away be succeed, succeed and be successful, but eventually that will lead you to a great deal of success and you will be able to benefit from it. Uh, so, the, 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 the question really over here is, I mean, what Rebbe asks over here is, so if the fifth year and on are higher level is on a greater level than the fourth year, and of course than the third year, because the third year is Klip, as we say, the fourth year is Noga, and the fifth year. So how come there is no requirement uh, to um, to go to bring it to, to Yerushalayim? Seems like bringing the fruit to Yerushalayim to elevate it is a higher madrega. Um, Actually, the name, the letter, the four letters of God's name, Yud, K, Vav, K, they all are also the letter, we have the letter four. There's four letters, Yud, K, Vav, K. In the world of the spiritual level of the world, we also have four spiritual uh, spiritual worlds. We have Atzilus, Briya, Yitzira, Asiya. This world, 
and the world of formation, the world of creation, and the world of atzilus, of separation. And those are different, those are levels as they descend from the spirituality of Hashem. First the level of atzilus, then the level of Bria, then the level of Yitzira, and then the level of Asiyah. So these basically correspond to the four letters of, uh, of, of the name of Hashem. The lower three levels, because they're already separated from Hashem, they can allow, from there, there can be a, uh, a connection to the three Klippas Timaeus. So the three impure, they don't get from the highest level. Atzilus is beyond them. That light is too high for them. So that's why the three correspond basically to the three. The Alter Rebbe says that the, uh, the Kedusha side, there's, there, there's also a connection between the Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Uh, uh, from there, there can be the Sholosh Klips at Meis. From Atzilus, that is the fourth letter. That's the fourth year is connected to Atzilus. And in the letters of Hashem, Yud, K, Vav, K, Yud is Atzilus, K is Bria, Vav is Yitzira, and the last K is Asiya. And the letter Yud has a point on the top. That points to the level of Keser. That points to the level of Keter, which is beyond Atzilus 2. That's the fifth level. But the point what the Rebbe is asking over here, uh, how come that the uh, fifth letter, the, 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 the fifth year, doesn't have any holiness in this? The fourth year has holiness. You have to bring it to Yerushalayim. You have to eat it in a special way. Why is, is something which is on a higher level, uh, which is the fifth year, why does it not have that requirement in Yerushalayim? The Rebbe is going to bring out a very uh, powerful lesson over here to explain to us that, listen, the goal is to bring Hashem down in the very mundane, in the very, very simple level. We don't need to bring Hashem down only in the highest level. We have to bring Hashem down in the, uh, not in, only in holiness. You know, people, a lot of times people think that, you know, when I'm in shul, I'm in a holy place, over there i got to be righteous. But what about my regular day-to-day activities over there? You know, that's not so important. You know, but the, the point is here that, on the contrary, Hashem wants to be seen. He wants to be seen in everyday things, whatever we do. It's very easy, it's very easy to find God in spirituality. Uh, I guess the challenge is to find Hashem, not, on, not in spirituality, but to find Hashem also in the, uh, in the very simple things. The Rebbe relates a story about the Baal Shem Tov. We talked about before the Rebbe Maharaj being like the Baal Shem Tov. The Rebbe tells the story of the Baal Shem Tov. Uh, that uh, he quotes here from the, uh, the Mimer of the previous Rebbe. So it says like this, it says, the holy Baal Shem Tov. So before he was revealed, for many years, Baal Shem Tov was a hidden. He didn't want and actually refused to be revealed. He was forced from Hashem to be revealed. So when he was a hidden, and he was travel from city to city, and from village to village, and what the, the holy Baal Shem Tov had, uh, this uh, holy... Uh, service of Hashem that every who would always ask everyone men, women older people, younger people he always asks you how do you feel? How's your health? He'd ask them how's your livelihood? Are you, are you doing okay? Now they would respond people would say 
very, he was so happy to hear when they answered him, uh, the people, the Jewish people, the men, the women, they would say to him, children answer, uh, always praising Hashem. Somebody would say, Baruch Hashem, thank Hashem. Somebody would say, Hashem may Hashem be praised. So you ask them how they're doing, they would always say, very, very well. So one time it happened that the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, came in a certain settlement, and the Rebbe did his usual thing, with his usually holy way, in the service of Hashem, and he was always giving people the privilege, uh, men, women, and children, the great privilege to praise the name, holy name of Hashem. So in that particular settlement, there was a Jew who was very old, and he was also a great Talmud Chacham, he was a great scholar, and he was somebody who was called a Porush, which means he separated himself from all worldly matters. He had nothing to do anything with the world. It's already been 50 years that he studies the Holy Torah, separated with holiness without any, that's all that he does. All these years, he sits and he fasts, he sits in his talus and his tefillin, till late Mincha, and after Mairiv, he tastes a piece of bread with water. That's, that's the life that he lived. So when the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, entered to this genius in that special room, which was a separated room that he was using to study and to stay, that was in a sort of in a corner of the shul. So the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, asked by this genius, how is his health? He asked him this, his usual question, he said, how's your health? He asked him, do you have what you need? Are, you, are your needs met? Are you okay? But he didn't answer <laughs> the Rebbe. So the genius, so he basically, the Balsheptum was dressed in like a very simple village person. Didn't look like any Rebbe or anything else. So he didn't even pay attention to him. He, he sort of ignored him. So the Rebbe asked several times the question by this great genius until he got angry. And he showed the Rebbe with his finger to the door that he should leave. So the Rebbe, the Basemta, says to this genius, Rebbe, why don't you give Hashem, so to speak, why don't you give him his sustenance, give Hashem his livelihood? Etc. He kept on telling you, why don't you, why don't you support Hashem? Now, this genius heard these words. He became famished. He came mixed up. A Jew who is a, dressed like a village person speaks about Hashem, about God, that you have to give Hashem his sustenance. That I'm supposed to give. What's yeah. going on here? So the Rebbe of Hashem recognized the thoughts of the genius. And he told him like this, we Jews, we are sustained by what Hashem gives us. Hashem gives us our parnasa, what we need, we get from God. God gives us. But what, is, what sustains Hashem? What sustains Hashem? So he says, 
David, King David, David Hamelach in the Tehillim, he says like this. He says, Kodesh, you, the Holy One, which means Hashem. You, Holy One, what is your sustains? He says, Yoshev Tehillis Yisrael. You sit, you're sustained by the praises of the Yidden. Which means that Hashem is sitting on the praises that when a Jew praises Hashem, blessed be he, for their health, for their parnasah, for their livelihood, that he, blessed, gives them. And because we praise Hashem, with those yin, we praise Hashem, Hashem in return gives us children, life, and our sustenance in a wide way. That's the story that he brings down over there. Of course, that chassid, that Porush became eventually a chassid of the Baal Shem Tov, of the Baal Shem Tov. But the Rebbe says, but it's surprising. This whole story. Let it be true uh, that in order to accomplish that Hashem should be Yoshev, Hashem to sort of sit down. What does sitting down means to bring down? When a person is up and he sits down, he lowers himself. So when we're trying to lower Hashem's bracha, that it should come down from up there, Hashem to sit to give us his blessing. So, uh, we have to uh, serve him and say to Hashem, praises to Hilas Yisrael. But why can't this not be accomplished through the study of Torah? Why do we have to tell Hashem, Baruch Hashem, for, for the livelihood? Even if you have to thank Hashem, specifically praising Him for, not learning Torah isn't enough, but you got to praise Hashem. So, the Bashemtov could have told this genius to praise Hashem for giving him the opportunity to study Torah all his life in such a holy way, in holiness, in his separation. Why was he asking him only about his physical sustenance? Why was he asking him specifically about health and, 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 and Parnas, how things are going for him? Should have thank Hashem for whatever you have, for the, for the great privilege you have to be a Tam Chacham, that you can sit and study Torah. Rebbe explains. The explanation is that the ultimate intent of the creation is for Hashem to be visible in the lower parts of the world. As the language is, God wants to be found. He wants you to feel Him, not in the spiritual level, He wants you to feel Him in the low levels. That means that in the lower matters, people should be able to utilize them and make a dwelling place, allow Hashem into the lower parts, lower needs of your life. Uh, Mainly that comes when we work with the lower matters, not so much through the study of the Torah or thanking Hashem for studying the Torah, because Torah study is mainly part of your spiritual, of your soul. That's the upper part in yourself. Uh, that's the godly soul. But when we praise Hashem for our very simple thing, for health, for our sustenance, those are matters which belong to the body. They're not soul. Those are physical matters. That means that you recognize, you sense that even your physical needs also come from Hashem. 
and you praise Hashem for your physical needs. That's the way to make Hashem a dwelling place, even in the lower matters. And that's why when the Baal Shem Tov saw how this genius was sitting in his separated room over there, and he was separated from all worldly matters, and he had nothing, no connection with his body, with his animal soul, with his part in the world, with the Tachtoin, the lower parts. Because he only ate was just for what he needed for his bare minimum for his existence. But he never paid attention to sort out and clean up his body and his portion in this world of Shamamis. So he told him, why don't you give Hashem his sustenance? Why don't you allow, why don't you give Hashem, so what Hashem wants to have a dwelling place in the lower parts, that's where Hashem gains in sustenance. And that's why the Baal Shem Tov says that Hashem sits, He dwells through the praises that didn't praise Him for health, for parnasa, that He shares, that Hashem gives them. And this is how the Rebbe explains how the ultimate goal of all this is not the fourth year which is holy fruit, they're eating, they have to eat them in Yerushalayim. But the main thing is in the fifth year, in which you can eat everywhere, you can eat it while you're not pure, and the very, very simple things. When a Jew knows that even those fruits, ordinary fruits, that are not holy, and he recognizes that that is Hashem's blessings, everything that he has Hashem's blessings. In other words, that you can see with your eyes that because you did a mitzvah, Hashem gave you more. You have, you get more sustenance because you are doing what Hashem wants. You can actually see Hashem's bracha and then you're praising Hashem for that bracha. So then, that praising Hashem, that becomes Tehillah Yisrael. That's the praising of the Yidin. They bring about, they cause Ba'ato Kodesh Ba'ato, meaning the Ba'ato, which represents the greatest level of Hashem, Atzmus, who is Kodesh, who is so separate that he too should go down and become a Diribetachtonim in the lower world. And that gives us a little bit of an understanding to appreciate something of the very simple things in life and the very, uh, not the only the lofty or the great, but just the very simple things to make that connection to Hashem in the very simple things. Yeah, what were we going to say? No, I was going to say, is it through davening? Is it through saying a bracha on the food? Like, or just by saying, you know, everything baruch Hashem. Like, how, how is that praise that we say to heal us? And the other question is, what does Hashem need? Hashem doesn't need this praise. For us. That we need it. But what we're I, trying to bring down Hashem, yeah. But but our but us needing it and recognizing it, you're saying give us Hashem sustenance. Sustenance to our benefit, as he said. Mm-hmm. We're 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 helping Hashem sort of give us. We're helping ourselves by bringing down Hashem into this world, and bringing Him down through the uh, recognizing, very, we're recognizing ourselves, ourselves. and, and saying thank you, Hashem, saying Baruch Hashem, saying thank you, Hashem, 
And saying thank you, Hashem, for the very mundane things in life. Not mm-hmm. to thank Hashem only for big things. Mm-hmm. Thanking for whatever we have. And when we thank for Hashem, we're grateful to Hashem, and we express it, and we say it, that's the way to bring down Hashem to this world.